0: Welcome to Tapeheads, I'm Sean. I'm Lindsay. Tapeheads is the podcast where we select a VHS tape from either my collection or Lindsay's collection. We watch it and then we talk about it. Baseball season is upon us once again. We're currently in the preseason here, but before you know it, we're gonna be into the real thing here, which is why I selected my favorite baseball movie uh and one that Lindsay had not seen up till this point
1: no i'd never seen it
0: major league on a previous episode way back when this may be way back on our one of our halloween episodes we mentioned that we went to a san francisco giants game with my dad uh in which they were taping for a little program named fuller house
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> and uh well, I don't know about, oh, yeah, but uh, we have a little bit of an update on that because um, we were present at AT&T Park when they were mm-hmm. filming this episode, and now we've seen the actual episode, um, which guest stars Hunter Pence as the baseball player boyfriend of, is it Stephanie Tanner? Yes. And I guess we we owe it to the listeners to to follow up on this, and what what were your thoughts of I guess our episode of Fuller House. Our
1: episode. Because we're in it. You can hear us screaming in the crowd. Yeah,
0: we were instructed to boo Stephanie Tanner. No,
1: I actually have to say I was pretty impressed at the filming of it because they were really not invasive at all. They'd, they'd kind of pick breaks in the game to film little scenes and they'd tell us to boo or cheer, that kind of thing. It was it was pretty smoothly played out.
0: Anna, what would you think of the episode?
1: Oh, I thought it was... Alright. I don't know how many of you have watched Fuller House. I tried to watch it. I enjoyed parts of it, but it got really painful. And then there was one episode that was really just, it just felt like I was watching a porno and I had to stop. But I, I, think, I think the Hunter Pence episode might be one of the better ones.
0: Granted, I've only seen the first episode and the, I skipped right to the Hunter Pence episode. But you're right, it does kind of feel like a porn parody it's of, a sh- full, or, or of a full House.
1: It's, it's a shame, too, because I, I like aspects of it, and it's pretty cute, and it's a good callback, and I think there are a few things that they did pretty well. I wonder if it's one of those things where maybe I just need to watch more, because we did skip to the 100 Pence episode, and it was, it felt like they had it more together in that one.
0: It's just very stilted and awkward to me. I will say that uh, I was in a Giants commercial with Hunter Pence, and he was probably the best actor of the Giants that were in that commercial. I say I was in it. I was an extra in it. I will say that Hunter is one of the better actors on that team. Um, Athletes are rarely considered great actors, as we saw in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch recently that had uh, (laughs) one of the Baltimore Orioles in it. But what was what was funny, and I was saying this to Lindsay when we were watching it, is Hunter Pence kind of fits right in there because yeah. none of these people can act. So. Yeah, he didn't
1: stand out at all.
0: I mean, I thought he was kind of one of the least stilted people on the show. He
1: was a little more stilted than they were. You I think mean, so? Because were... I think you're thinking of the kids, too, and kids have a really hard time with acting.
0: Yeah, child actors are tough. We can't all be... Um little Andy from Child's Play.
1: Then most of those adults in this show have taken a long break from acting. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah but let's talk Major League. Um, this movie came out in 1989. Unfortunately, there are no ads on my VHS copy of Major League. For the uninitiated, this is a underdog sports comedy. Pretty interesting for a number of reasons. For one, it it uses real team names. This is a fictionalized version of the Cleveland Indians, but I'm amazed that not only did, I guess, the MLB and Cleveland sign off on this pretty, like, bizarre portrait of the the baseball community at large. And a little risque. Pretty risque. This is an R-rated film. Um, The sequels, I think, downgraded to PG, PG PG-13. But this is a pretty, uh, you know, R-rated adult comedy. Um, I feel like that's not something you would see now. I feel like the movies that uh, have the approval of the NFL or the MLB are very sanitized. And this is not that. This is a very non-pc uh foul-mouthed comedy and i kind of love it for that basically the premise of this movie is the cleveland indians who are a historically awful team the owner has passed away and he's left his widow the rights to the team her name's rachel phelps and she has concocted the scheme kind of like the producers where she wants the team to flop so uh she wants attendance to be at a record low so, she can take advantage of an opportunity to move the team to Miami. And so, she's doing kind of this reverse moneyball approach of finding all the worst players imaginable, uh, firing most of the existing players. And then bringing in either washed up players or rookies or just trying to assemble the worst team possible.
1: Well, and hiring a coach that works at a tire shop.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The manager uh, who previously was the manager for the Toledo Mudhens, which is a real AAA team. I had to look that up. And one of my favorite uh, characters, uh, Lou Brown, we do see him working at a tire shop when we first meet him. We also... Meet uh, veteran catcher Jake Taylor, played by Tom Berenger. He's uh, waking up to some sort of tequila sunrise when we meet him. He's hungover in Mexico. Also of note is uh, Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn, who, who's played by Charlie Sheen and his second appearance on Tapeheads. Heads.
1: God, his hair in this movie.
0: You were complaining about Charlie Sheen's hair this entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think, what if I had that cut?
1: He essentially had darts shaved into the back of his head. And I was looking at it, it's so smooth. He had to have just... I mean, just imagining this hard-muscled guy that's just, like, living on the streets with his earring, painstakingly shaving that every day to have it perfect Do you then, think like, he's waxing doing it, it. Do you
0: think he's doing it himself?
1: I mean, could he afford to go to a barber every day?
0: Well, also, we meet him when he's in prison.
1: Yeah. I think he's doing it himself. He mastered this in prison.
0: Also, on this team of misfits, we have uh, Pedro Serrano, played by Dennis Haysbert, who is David Palmer on 24 he's sort of a witch doctor character which uh
1: this is interesting
0: he was uh he's a political refugee from cuba uh he was fleeing because they did not respect his religion of voodoo except
1: not many people on the team or in the u.s seem to respect his religion either
0: yeah that's true uh and he keeps a uh statue of jobu i'm not sure if that's a real uh voodoo figure He keeps Joe Boo in his locker, and he makes up offerings of cigar and rum.
1: And chicken.
0: And chicken. We've also got Roger Dorn, who's sort of the smarmy rich boy. I think he's a holdover from the previous Indians. Like, they just couldn't get rid of him. There's uh, Willie Mays Hayes, played by Wesley Snipes.
1: In one of the very few comedic roles, if any, I think I've only seen him in action movies.
0: I cannot think of a single other comedy. that I guess action comedies, but action comedies that weren't particularly funny.
1: He's really naturally funny, too. I also was thinking, I I feel like his character is kind of like a counter to our Mr. Voodoo Cuban man.
0: A positive black character? Yeah, essentially
1: just like not an... Insane black man with a completely bizarro religion where he has to sacrifice chickens to hit the ball well. I, I feel like Wesley Snipes gives us our counterbalance, that where the the filmmakers were trying to say, look, 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 we have a normal black man here.
0: Well, I don't know if Willie Mays Hayes is, is a normal black. I think he's, he's a, exceptional. He's a different strain of crazy black. Yeah, guy. I think is ultimately what it comes down to. Because he's the one person who isn't invited to spring training. He just kind of shows up. He just
1: up. shows up. But he's really good, and he's the fastest one there.
0: Yeah, there's a great scene during spring training. They're all sleeping in cots together, or bunk beds. And late at night, some officials sneak in and lift Willie Mays Hayes' uh, bunk off the uh, the bed and put him on the other side of the fence, basically <laughs> escorting him off the premises while he's asleep. And uh, in order to get back on the team, he runs, I think, the 25-meter dash in his pajamas past some other people who had a pretty sizable head start.
1: Oh, yeah. But no, it's just funny. I I think it kind of makes our Mr. Cuban man... More of just a crazy foreigner than a crazy black man. Yeah. I think that's their attempt.
0: Needless to say, this diabolical plan by Mrs. Phelps to have this team be the worst team imaginable kind of backfires because this team of misfits kind of figures it out. And, uh... They start winning some games. It looks like they're picking up speed. She decides that maybe if she takes away some of their luxury items, like their plane and their other... uh...
1: Well, they actually don't know at this point that she wants them to do poorly. They find that out later. After they're like, why the hell are you torturing us and giving us planes that they duct tape together? Yeah.
0: You know, on this watch, I see a lot of Moneyball... Similarities.
1: I have not seen Moneyball, so I can't help you with this.
0: Well, both with the movie and with just the the basic idea of Moneyball, as uh, popularized by the A's GM Billy Bean, in the sense that they find all these undervalued players for like players with perceived defects, like oh, he, you know, this catcher has bad knees. Oh, this guy practices voodoo. Uh, <laughs> just oh. your typical <laughs> defects. Uh, Charlie Sheen, of course, uh, gets the name Wild Thing because he he can pitch a really mean fastball, but it's all over the place, and it's only later on that they realize he's pretty much blind. So yeah. they have to give him glasses. Just,
1: all his life, he never realized that he needed really, really thick spectacles.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite f bombs in movie history comes when he's finally given the glasses, and he just looks down at him and goes, "Fuck." <laughs>
1: Well, they weren't stylish enough to go with his masterfully shaved head and dangling earring.
0: Yeah, I like that they had glasses on hand that were sort of like these turtle shell mom glasses. And he uses those temporarily until he can get his own pair of glasses, which has like a, a skull and crossbones right between the eyes. <laughs>
1: one of the kind of interesting characters that they added into this film for me was one of the only female characters other than our antagonist jake taylor's ex-girlfriend played by renee russo
0: he bumps into her at a restaurant i guess in cleveland and then he just kind of proceeds to stalk her for the rest of the movie
1: i like how you never noticed this before but to me it was just so obvious and really weird i guess just watching it
0: this time i was kind of watching it through your <laughs> eyes as you do when you introduce someone to either a movie you love probably because
1: i was like vocally this is really <laughs> creepy why is he following her in her his car Jake Taylor simply does not
0: take no for an answer. He meets her first by chance, corners her at the library okay. where she Can works. Can we point
1: out when they first run into each other? He handles it in a really weird way, which is to call. Is he using a cell phone or is he? Using... This
0: is pre-cell phone. Yeah.
1: Okay. So he's using a payphone at this restaurant. To call the restaurant and ask for her. He has her come over and he's talking to her on the phone and then she and he starts describing what she's wearing to her. Which is really weird. It's a real, really it's a real scream moment when and she so he, realizes
0: that he's on the phone
1: behind her. And that he's actually there. And so then they talk to each other and he finds out she's engaged. So obviously he needs to track her down at her place of work. He needs to attempt to follow her home after he asked her at her place of work for her phone number. Actually, this is like the second time because he originally asked her at the restaurant. And she was very adamantly saying No. I won't give you my contact information. She
0: gives him a fake number. The she first gives, time, oh, that's right?
1: right. Yeah. the first time she uh, she gives him a fake number. The second time at the library at her place of work where he's tracked her down she which is a
0: big no-no folks you don't hit on someone when they're working (laughs) i don't care what your situation is
1: and then he's like confronting her saying oh you gave me a fake number give me your real number and she's just flat out no so he takes this as a sign that he needs to follow her home from work except that he accidentally follows her to his her fiance's house
0: Her fiance's penthouse where (laughs) the elevator just opens directly to the penthouse and he's giving this swanky party to uh, kind of the elite of Cleveland who somehow don't realize that the Cleveland Indians are still a team and that they're doing really well this season. Which Uh. otherwise is something that this movie I think captures really well. Being in San Francisco, for example, you really see the city really unite around this common goal like this like uniting around a team and I feel like the movie overall really captures that we see kind of locals in Cleveland starting to get excited that hey we're good this year yeah but the party was really odd to me in the sense that none of them were excited that a real Cleveland Indian was there with them
1: the weirdest thing that I'm trying to think of here is so he sits through this party he ends up stalking her and finding her real house and just walking into it he doesn't knock or anything. He just walks How into her house. does he always
0: get into her house? Does she just leave the I door just, open?
1: I don't understand. And so, but it's just like this continual stalker thing. And what I, what I was wondering through the entire film, and then when we were reviewing it earlier, was what does their relationship, what is his relationship with Rene Russo, what does she really add to the film? Other than being yet another challenge that has to be won. Like, he has to win her by becoming successful in baseball.
0: See, I have a little bit of a disagreement with you there. Because I think that the purpose she serves, I agree she's not the best character. But most of the character development for Jake Taylor is in those scenes with lynn because other like because he's the main character purely because he has this romantic subplot yeah
1: i mean that's the thing where i also kind of didn't really see him as the main character and it was just kind of odd that it felt forced to me that they were trying to make him into the main character
0: it's definitely an ensemble but i feel like he's pretty much the protagonist like everyone else is kind of a more colorful and kind of has their thing going on because like Ricky Vaughn I feel Ricky Vaughn and Willie Mays Hayes I feel like are the characters that everyone walks away saying like they're my favorite but mm-hmm. Tom Berenger's character is just more like for better or worse kind of the heart of it you know okay even though this relationship he has with Lynn who's engaged <laughs> uh, and he completely messes that up for her is pretty strange
1: is very strange is
0: very strange
1: i i can see where you're saying i can see where he had some character development with her it just it still didn't really quite feel natural to me
0: the romantic subplot for me doesn't add a whole lot but i do feel like it does show a side of humanity even if it's a creepy kind of humanity (laughs) given the whole stalker vibe with it
1: Oh, when and she's I... backing away from him saying no and he keeps walking forward? <laughs> In
0: the empty, dark apartment, yes. That he
1: walked into and didn't ask to be there? Um,
0: <laughs> Well, she does end up with him at the end of the movie, so clearly it was meant to be.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, only after they win the playoff game with the the Yankees does she show up he thinks he, she's going with a fiance
0: yeah so I guess we should say that it all of course boils down to a single game which always confused me because this is a very confusing team in general because they seem to only play home games or at least most of the time they play home games we see them flying around but yeah all of uh all of their games seem to be in Cleveland which is they actually filmed in Milwaukee which is another yeah. weird aspect of this movie
1: I think that's partly a device, because they want to show the crowd their, their uh, loving fans growing in number over time.
0: But another thing is, there seems to only be two pitchers on this team. There's uh, uh, Ricky Vaughn, Wild Thing, Charlie Sheen, as we mentioned. And then there's this other guy, this real uh, has-been named Eddie, who's always kind of rubbing himself down with different vaselines so So he he can can cheat yeah so he can basically (laughs) do spitballs and things like that we pretty much only see these pitchers take turns like this is like a two-man rotation with no kind of bullpen or anything like that as far as i can tell again like maybe some hardcore major league fans can write in and let me know about this and another thing that i i didn't understand until this viewing was the significance of this last game like I didn't understand if it was like game seven of the World Series or if this was a real playoff game and what it actually is is that they tied the division with the Yankees so it was a one game playoff because usually not a whole lot rides on one game unless it's like a tie or a wild card thing so this climactic game is another kind of loophole that they've found to make it kind of center on our heroes mm-hmm. and be able to have the has been pitcher started up and then have uh our man wild thing come out as a relief pitcher.
1: It's kind of funny that you mention how much Eddie was a cheater that he was vaselining and greasing himself up because they kind of show him he he announces very proudly that he's a christian they show him in contrast to serrano and it's just and they have him talk about his christianity after he's admitted to being a cheater well you
0: know they're all i mean <laughs> i think that they it's equally offensive to both christianity and voodoo because serrano in his own way is cheating too i mean there's a supernatural element to this yeah. movie in the sense that for most of the movie at least serrano seems to be benefiting from his sacrifices of rum and cigars to to jobu who lives in his locker and when eddie drinks joe boo's rum and he
1: was warned not to yeah
0: he was warned not to drink joe rum but because he's this arrogant christian he does and he's immediately beamed on the head with a bat exactly
1: Warn- what he deserved
0: the reason why i give the edge to serrano in this movie though is at the end of the movie when it's down to the wire he needs to hit a homer he basically curses joe and says that it's he's gonna do this himself yeah. So when he hits that homer and runs the plate still holding the bat, apparently because Dennis Heesbert really hit a home run and he was so excited he forgot to drop <laughs> his bat. Uh, he did that without Jobu, which I think is a good twist to the whole voodoo subplot of this movie.
1: That's interesting.
0: I think the the reason that I love this movie so much, it's this big ensemble and the dialogue is really witty these characters are so much fun to revisit kind of like a lot of ensemble comedies like i feel like people feel this way about i don't know mash or something like that where or or i guess even like sitcoms it's just like fun to see these characters again
1: yeah and it wouldn't really feel right if any of them were missing
0: and apparently as the sequels went on they i haven't seen either two or the third one but apparently they lost more and more of the cast. And also they kind of lost its edge. I think the second one they already dropped down to a PG. And Wesley Snipes had left. And I don't know. I just couldn't see this movie losing either its edge or any of these cast members.
1: Yeah. And when you say edge, I mean it has edge. When we were f- when we were reviewing this, I was breaking it down in my head. And I realized if you kind of strip away the comedy to it, you have some... Kind of scary events. Not scary, not scary. You have some definitely hard-edged events. You've got people cheating. You've got this weird stalker love affair where he's trying to get her to go to him and leave her fiancé and... You've got a wife that's out to get back at her husband with his rival.
0: Yeah, that was a whole thing we left out. Uh, Roger Dorn, who's the smarmy rich boy on the team, he is caught cheating by his wife.
1: On a television broadcast.
0: Yeah, on a television broadcast. And she decides to get back at him by sleeping with his arch rival on the team, Charlie Sheen.
1: But it's really dark because he doesn't know who she is. She just picks him up at a bar and Charlie Sheen's just like, oh yeah, I got this hot lady hitting on me. She likes my earring. He takes her home and then... That happens
0: so late in the film. That's another thing that I probably could have done without one of my nitpicks of this movie.
1: Honestly, because what does it do? It doesn't they, they kind of create this feeling like it's kind of cause a blow up and then nothing happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, basically when it's a do or die situation, when, you know, Ricky Vaughn is, is in as the reliever and he's, he's they're kind of giving him the pep talk on the mound. All that Roger Dorn says after all this is basically like, yeah, go get him. And later he punches him, but that's yeah. it.
1: I think it's just, trying to say the significant how significant the game is and the game comes before anything else but was it really necessary i I just don't i didn't really feel it
0: i think they are just trying to pump a little more drama into it uh add some sex appeal i could have done with or without it but yeah it was an interesting choice on the movie's part another thing that i know you kind of scoffed at (laughs) in the movie is when they've when the team finally puts it together that mrs phelps is wants them to do poorly and doesn't want them to take the division their manager gets out this i guess it's a cardboard cutout from her during her vegas showgirl days yeah and has covered it with little strips and
1: of animal prints
0: yeah of animal print and they rip one off for every single game that they win so
1: they're, they're slowly undressing her cardboard yeah. cutout body
0: uh, so it's a it's a nude cardboard cutout. Well, no, should... it's
1: not nude. It's she's wearing pasties and a thong.
0: Oh, okay. But uh, that was that's kind of what their goal is for the whole third act of the movie is to undress this cardboard cutout, which I don't know. I see is harmless locker room <laughs> fun. <laughs> I know that you uh weren't crazy about that. I
1: wasn't super crazy about it. I I can see it's fun and it's lighthearted. I I can see definitely that guys in a locker room and a sports team would do that
0: and speaking of mrs phelps one interesting factoid about this movie is there was an alternate ending so as the movie ends in 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 the theatrical version is they win the big game against the yankees jake and lynn seem to be together and it just kind of fades out on them celebrating whereas in the original version um, and they even shot this mrs phelps revealed at the end that this is all her plan all along that she was going to create a common enemy and that she knew these were actually good players and that she had sort of rigged this whole situation so that they would win and test audiences hated this ending i kind of hate it too Because I feel like it's just so far-fetched that you could concoct this wild season.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't feel believable.
0: I feel like it's a twist that kind of undoes the whole premise of the movie. Like, the whole allure of it. Because how could she have known, you know?
1: I don't know. I guess the idea is she did hand them a list in the beginning of who she wanted recruited for the team.
0: Yeah, and they did not reshoot any of that. Like, all the footage that we see in the movie is premised on the ending that they didn't use so all they really did was snip that ending out i can
1: see how they have the setup for it though with the list like you could you could kind of believe that she'd see oh these are guys with defects but they have potential still a lame ending
0: so she was kind of the money baller in in this she was the money baller she was the baller another thing that i really love about this is just the fact that it's set in cleveland i feel like it's kind of the perfect town to have this set in because there's this kind of feeling of aw shucks it's cleveland and there's this really sad randy newman song about cleveland that goes with the credits and just the history of cleveland sports teams uh is not pretty they've got the browns in the nfl they've got the indians the Cavaliers. I mean, the, granted, the Cavaliers are very good, but uh, as of this recording, they have not won in a very long time the championship. So it's kind of the perfect place, other than maybe Detroit, to uh, set something like this. Even though I guess most of it was shot in Milwaukee, I just associate Cleveland very heavily with Major League. <laughs> so it kind of has endeared me to that city.
1: How long have you had this movie in your life sean
0: well i will admit that i didn't grow up with this movie i actually saw it probably only a couple of years ago so the first time i saw it was actually digitally so i had to go what? out and i had to go out and buy a vhs copy of it for the purposes of this podcast
1: I but think that's the first film we've had that happen for right
0: one that we didn't grow up with yeah i don't know but, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's really against our rules. It is no. technically in my VHS collection.
1: And technically it is a VHS. I guess that's what matters.
0: I think growing up I wasn't really into sports movies a whole lot. I mean, I would see things like Little Giants or The Sandlot well, or you things like that. were
1: into baseball as much as a kid, were you? Yeah, you know, I didn't
0: really start to love baseball until I moved to San Francisco. And I think that that's another part of that is just like, again, we were talking about like baseball cities where Mm -hmm. when you're in a big city, there's this sense of community around the team and you get really excited about it and you know all the players and their little eccentric things that they do. Like when I first moved to San Francisco, that player on the team was Tim Lincecum and like You'd always talk about, you know, what the freak is doing and how and how weird his windup is. And it's <laughs> like, I feel like that's another thing that this movie captures so perfectly is like, you know, Ricky Vaughn is kind of like a Lincecum or like a Brian Wilson of that era for me. And so it's it's I feel like these players with their eccentricities is a big part of like what makes baseball so much fun. Um, and because there's also just so many games, you you become, you get to know these people over a season so well, and I feel like more so than other sports, um, well, I guess, I guess we're seeing it right now with the Warriors, like, the, everyone is sort of gripped in Warriors fever.
1: I grew up with some sports movies, not a lot, uh, my big one was The Big Green, because I oh, like yeah. soccer.
0: You're a big soccer person. Oh, yeah. Person.
1: But, uh trying to think of other sports movies that well, was really the main one for me
0: we I, I guess we grew up with the remake of angels in the outfield with Never christopher seen it. lloyd Mm-mm. Never oh seen really it. and i think i saw like rookie of the year and you know there's like a there's a whole subgenre of kids sports movies that has kind of died out i think we've yeah. we've harped on this in past uh, episodes but that's just one genre i can't can you think of like what the last kids sports movie was I mean, I mean they this really... is another
1: case where I think they exist, and we just aren't—they're not advertised to us, are so you we don't sure? notice.
0: I feel like I'm pretty aware of movies that come out. I think it's just—I the...
1: feel like most kids' sports movies are straight to video, so we wouldn't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're not though.
0: going to theater. In the '90s, there was just a glut of like theatrical kids' sports movies, and I think those damn kids that are out on our lawn. Well, not on our lawn, because they're staying inside. They just don't play sports anymore. And that's why we don't have kids sports movies. Mm. That's my theory.
1: I don't agree. I'm just going to just go with I don't agree. I think okay. there's still plenty of kids playing sports. Just not as many, Maybe.
0: Well, at the very least, I feel like they're not making movies about kids sports.
1: No, they're making more like kid detective movies and like like kid action movies and stuff.
0: Which is all well and good, but I kind of miss things like The Sandlot and...
1: Air Bud. (laughs) Well,
0: (laughs) yeah, sure, Air Bud. Why not? That's more about the dog than the kids, but I'll take it.
1: It's a sports movie for children. Yeah. But I I've, I actually I think that's
0: kind of part of the problem because that's like that's again a dog movie first and a kid's sports movie second.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. Those crazy kids will figure it out. I uh, had to eat my words because I thought that kids just weren't being spooked these days. There wasn't enough kids horror, but we did see Goosebumps, and it was pretty oh, yeah. good. It so was good. I, uh, I, I had to take back my comments on that one. So listen up, Hollywood. You got to you gotta give us some more kids sports movies. And by we, I mean two 20 20-somethings. Lindsay is now looking online for kids sports movies released. How do you m- know
1: that's what I'm doing? I can just
0: tell. Kids Wait. sports...
1: Okay. So I, I mean of the of the results I'm getting right away they're all from the 90s. Yeah,
0: exactly. The Mighty Ducks. That's <laughs> one we should have on the show. Space Jam, that counts.
1: Space Jam is a sports movie, is that more fantasy?
0: the most recent one i see listed here is kicking and screaming which well, is more invincible too but well, that's, that's Mark a kid's Wahlberg. movie
1: that's also not really well i guess it was by Disney. oh hey <gasps> bad news bears is so good
0: oh that well that was a remake of an older movie i don't know if that counts oh, oh wait that's a 2005 i yeah. didn't even
1: notice that i thought it was original. oh
0: you know what my friend carly schroeder has one gracie that was 2007
1: there's mvp most valuable primate
0: see these either have monkeys in them or animals that's a different genre (laughs) oh
1: there was the karate kid was remade
0: uh with jaden smith
1: (gasps) i forgot about brink did you watch that sean you guys didn't have disney huh
0: what is brink
1: it's about really cool kids on roller skates they're on the brink
0: Oh, I, I had to squint at that because I thought that was another chimp movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it that's t- a child.
1: So. I, I used to think that the guy in Brink was really cute until he was in the Princess Diaries movie and played a total douchebag.
0: I'm trying to find... Fu- oh, Million Dollar Arm. That's a recent one that was in theaters. Was
1: that aimed at children? Um.
0: Well, it's about... Re- John Hamm, I guess, is recruiting... Indian play. Oh, but that's major league. That's not. That's major league baseball. That's not kids baseball.
1: Like we're talking kids playing sports.
0: Yeah, and even with Gracie, which is a movie that I like a lot, she's a little bit older in that. That's those are like teenagers. Although
1: now I'm like, how how did we get on this? Because the movie that we're talking about was an R-rated movie for adults.
0: (laughs) I don't know how we got on it. We're gonna solve this case here.
1: Google is showing us the most famous ones.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that sort of excludes the direct-to-video ones. I think it's this kicking and screaming bullshit with Will Ferrell. But again, the emphasis is on who the coach is. And I guess there's McFarland USA with Kevin Costner, which is about Kevin Costner being the uh, coach of a cross-country team in the town where my sister used to work. Yeah. Oh, and there's Miracle, but again, that's like Olympic hockey.
1: What about Soul Surfer? Is
0: surfing a, really like a... I'm thinking like team sports movies.
1: That's well, why now I, you're getting really specific because we were talking about the Karate Kid earlier.
0: Yeah, I was going to let that one slide, but now I'm not so sure.
1: Oh, and they're listing Air Bud under children's sports movies. It is
0: about a children's sports team. So, Oh, remember the Titan? Well, that's, No, that's high school. I really don't think there's any. <laughs>
1: Cole Runnings is the best. We need to have that on the show.
0: Yeah. Secretariat? Are we talking sports movies for horses now? Am I right?
1: Phil. (laughs) That was a little bit of a sports movie tangent. Exclusive (laughs) to children, not like the adult sports movie we actually watched and reviewed. But uh, I think it's about that time, Sean. Do you buy it, rent it, or tape over it? I
0: would say buy it. I think that this is a must-watch for, even if you're not a fan of baseball, I'd say, I think this is just a fun, you know, gang of goofy misfits that um, fights against adversity, overcomes challenges, and uh, worships, in some cases, their uh, voodoo gods.
1: Also, wait a minute. I have to say, 1989 was the year for voodoo, because Chucky also had some voodoo.
0: Although that was 88. Damn I liked it. your premise. Late
1: 80s was the Late time 80s. for voodoo.
0: And Tales from the Crypt was around this time too. Yeah. And it was it would always have some voodoo episode and usually uh Whoopi Goldberg would be in it and yeah. There's definitely a voodoo tangent here. But yeah, I love this cast. I just it's just a fun movie to revisit. And it's one that I like to watch um it's one that I could really just watch year-round, but I especially like to watch it during baseball season because it's just that much more relevant and fun. So, yeah, buy it for me.
1: I've thought long and hard about this, and I'm going to go with Rent It.
0: <laughs> did you have to decide between Rent It and tape <laughs> over it?
1: Possibly. I thought, essentially what it came down to is that I did really enjoy watching it. It has its problems. I have my issues with it. But I think overall, it's a really fun ensemble cast. And, you know, especially if you're a baseball fan, I think it's worth checking out.
0: All right. Well, two buy-its for Major League. (laughs) No, that's not what happened. A buy-it and a rent-it for Major (laughs) League. I'll get you next time. And speaking of next time, have you selected a tape? For next episode, I see you smiling. <laughs> I feel like you haven't thought about this part of the no, show. No,
1: I always forget this part. does
0: you need to go look at your VHS cabinet and make a selection? I could wait.
1: Yes, please wait. Well
0: Lindsay. well, Lindsay. goes over to her video cassette cupboard. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Will Price for use of his song "Mandatory Groove." You can find more of Will's music at SoundCloud.com/gargantulon. All right, Lindsay's back, and I think she's made her decision. Lindsay? She's trying to decide between two, I can tell. (laughs) She's narrowed it down to a 50-50.
1: I think think we had a lot of realism, accepting all the voodoo in this one, so I'm going to go a little bit out of this world. Well, it's actually in this world. Into the sewers.
0: Oh.
1: And we're going to watch Teenage mutant ninja turtles yes
0: i'm very excited for this the original
1: the original the original of course the live action one
0: all right no secret of the ooze next time but you will get a taste of leonardo michelangelo donatello
1: and maybe even a little bit of
0: raphael
1: you can find us on iTunes, and we have a website, tapeheadspodcast.com, that has episode summaries. And you can also email us at tapeheadspodcast.com.
0: Well, that's it for Tapeheads. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lindsay.
0: Until next time.